the, uh, the day to be in Proverbs 6. So we're going to dip in there and grab two of them, 20 and 21. Good friend, follow your father's good advice. Don't wander off from your mother's teachings. Wrap yourself in them from head to foot. Wear them like a scarf around your neck. We should have done that before the kids left. But that's a good one for us grown-up kids as well. Today, um, we're going to jump back, and I'm going to do what I promised to do some time ago, and that's finish the series on Samson. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad to be back here, and I hope that you haven't forgotten everything that we had done before, but today is the, uh, the day that we're going to wrap that up, and just in case you uh, missed any of those or, or it's been so long ago now, I'm going to remind you a little bit about what we talked about before. Samson has got to be one of the most frustrating characters in the Old Testament to read about because he was given so much by God, and and, and it was given to him for God's glory, for very specific reasons. He was called by God. He was set apart from birth. And um, he was supposed to help deliver the Israelites from the oppressive hands of the Philistines. And um, as is so common for us guys, this incredibly strong man had an incredibly weak will and uh, he got himself into trouble time and time again. The first week in the series, we talked about three attitudes that make strong men weak. We talked about lust. I want it. I, I see something and I want it. We talked about entitlement. I think I deserve it. And pride. I, I, I know I shouldn't, but I can handle it. I want it. I deserve it. I can handle it. And we talked about how our spiritual enemy loves to take strong men and make them weak. But God likes to take weak men and make them strong. The second week, we talked about the fact that Samson was always driven by his emotions instead of being driven by the Spirit. We talked about a couple of common ones, anger and pride, that men struggle with. And then the last week of the series, we talked about the fact that Samson didn't ruin his life all at once. Remember, we decided he ruined his life one step at a time. Remember that? So he's like a lot of, a lot of us guys. He's been given tremendous gifts from the Lord, Lots of potential, but he squandered it. He squandered it, and, uh, and he messed up time and time and time again. So we're going to pick back up and, uh, in the story. Now, at this point, Samson has been captured by his enemies, and his eyes have been gouged out. Now, here's what that really means, probably. I mean, the custom at the time was they had actually removed his eyes, and they used fire to do it, and so then they would move him to the ashes. So now you've got this guy that's got these sunken craters. Isn't that kind of creepy, right? Kind of icky. Why am I saying that? I don't know. Guys like that kind of stuff. So he's got these, he's got these craters, you know. It's like just, it's, it's icky. And he's in prison. Scripture says he's in prison grinding. And what that means, basically, is he's connected to this device like an ox would be, and he makes these things grind against each other and grind the grain. And, and so here is this guy. He's blind. His head's shaved. He's, you know, which is, has to do with his Nazarite vow. He's being mocked. People are throwing things at him. He's, this is the absolute low point of his life. He's had some tough things before, but this is it. And this, this, this circumstance raises the question for me. What do you do when you know you've just blown it? What do you do? When you look backwards and you think, man, you know, I kind of had some opportunities. God gave me a lot, and I've not really done very much with what the Lord gave me. Maybe you've said something that you shouldn't have said, or you've gone someplace you shouldn't have gone, or you did something you weren't supposed to do, 
And then you wake up one day and you've got this massive pain and this regret that just grabbing your heart. For guys, whenever we feel like a failure, we typically personalize it. We tend to internalize those things. And we can get to a very, very low place. And, uh, you know, men, I I speak about men because Samson's our guy here, but men and women are obviously very different. Would you agree? You know, with women, it's relational, relational. Everything's relational, right? Isn't that true? Relational, ladies? If you don't say yes to me, ladies, then I feel like we don't have relationship. And it's just, (laughs) you know, it's relational, you know. Um, I love you. You love me. Let's cry together. Am I overdoing it? Am I getting in trouble? Am I digging? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> relation, relation. No, I sent you a text. It took you three minutes to respond. Aren't we still BFFs? Aren't we going to be BFFs forever? Keep digging, Terry, right? But for women, relationship is <laughs> it's everything. You know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's kind of odd in a way. I mean, I don't really get it. It's, one of the weirdest things about women in relationship is the restroom. Hey, you know, one of them will say, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. Anybody else want to go? Hey, let's all go. Yeah, you're going to go to the bathroom? Yeah, let's go. Everybody goes. All the women go to the bathroom together. It is. And they go, and they're just gone. They go, they pick up in a herd, and off they go. And they're gone a long time. And then they come out, and when the door opens, all right, you hear all this noise, this laughing, and all this kind of stuff, and they've come out of there. Relational, relational. It's like, we've done, that was so good. Why? Because we were in the bathroom together. <laughs> women. Women. <laughs> Relationship. <laughs> I have to ride home together with one. Yeah. <laughs> Guys are nothing like that. No. <laughs> Hold on to that man card. You're in good shape. We're not so concerned with, do you like me? Although we want to be liked. We want to be respected. Guys want to be respected. We, uh, we want to know, do you admire me? Did I do well? Do I measure up? We like relationship, but for us, respect is the deal. You're never, ever going to hear a guy that you trust say, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. Any of you guys want to go? <laughs> right? No, you will not hear that from a guy. And if it happens that you end up in the restroom and somebody's in there that you know, if you have to, you can actually talk. But it's got to be, you know, if you're in there, he, what, here's the protocol. The guys already know this. It's like nobody's ever trained us, but we know the protocol. You just, you know, you stare at the wall. You take care of business. You don't look left. You don't look. No, you do not do that. You know, if, if you do that, you get your man card out and just tear the thing up and flush it because that's it. And it's, it has to do with relationship because guys don't want to have relationships in there. That's for biology. That's not for relationships. We don't even care if there's a mirror in there. Why do they put a mirror in? Anyway, I don't want to go on down that. So men are different. We want to be respected. And so because we want that respect, when we do fail, we feel like this massive loser. We just feel like a massive loser and generally speaking generally speaking a man's greatest fear is failure and his greatest pain is regret 
Our greatest fear is failure. Hey, we did well, didn't we? We measured up, right? And then when we feel like we didn't measure up, when, when we didn't live up to your expectation, we didn't live up to God's expectations, then we live with that pain and that regret. I wish I would have. I, I wish I could have. I didn't. And tragically, for most men, there comes a time where we have to confront a season in our life where we live with real deep regret over some failure, some sort of significant regret in our life. I think for some guys it's been, or maybe it will be for some of us, I hope not, but you know, it will be when you have to look your wife in the eye and explain some stupid decision you made. You know, this faithful woman who's popped out kid after kid and, and, and loved and so forth and and explain why you've chased some floozy at your office. I mean, and she can barely stand still because of the pain. She can barely stand up. Or maybe it's, you know, you wished by this point of your life you'd be doing more. I mean, in your job, you feel like you're in a dead-end career and you thought maybe financially you'd be at a different place and the guys you grew up with, they're all doing fine and you're thinking... I thought I'd be doing better than this by now. And so you're feeling like a failure. And, and, you know, the financial thing for guys is a big part of our identity. And if we're not doing well there, we feel like a failure. We do. We just feel that way. Or maybe it's not these bigger external issues that other people see. Maybe there's something going on inside where you realize, okay, I promised myself I will never do that again. And then you find on Thursday you're doing it again. You're in that same place. And now you feel like, okay, I am such a loser. I cannot get this straight no matter what I do. But good, here's some good news for you. Just because a man is down does not mean that he's out. Just because you failed at something doesn't mean that you are a failure. Because a failure is an event. It's never a person. A failure is an event. It's never a person. Even though you failed at something, you're not what, you're, what you did. You are who God says you are. And that's a pretty significant difference. And God's going to say to you, failure is an event. It's never a person. Let's pick up in Judges chapter 16, starting in verse 23. That's where we are in the story with Samson. Let's hop in there and see what's going on. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god. This is their false god. He's the god of the harvest. And to celebrate, saying, our god has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. Now, their temple is not, don't think of like a church temple. Um, Their temple is more like what you and I might consider to be like a coliseum. It's got a large area in the center, but then there are all these layers, kind of like balconies, and the, you know, it would be a lot of people could see, and, and, and this is a big one. In this case, it's probably three to 5,000 people, and they're here to sacrifice to their false god, Dagon, who's the, the god of the harvest. Now, Dagon was a character who had a human head and a fish body. The man-fish god. And so they're worshiping the manfish god. Oh, thank you, manfish god, for bringing Samson to us. I'm making fun of this. Let's get rid of Dagon. We're done with you, Dagon. Get out of here. (laughs) Go on, get out of here. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so verse 24. When the people saw 
Samson, they praised their God saying, oh, manfish God, no, no. Oh, our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. Here's what they're talking about. Remember the incident where he took, he got angry, he took 150 pairs of foxes, tied torches to their tails and chased them off and off they ran and they're, you know, set, set fire to all the crops. And, and uh, that's the... Um, laid waste the land. It literally happened. And um, the other incident where he took the jawbone off of a, a donkey and he killed a thousand men with it, um, that's what they're talking about. Verse 25, while they were high in spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them. And it doesn't get any lower than where he is right now. He was given all of this power by the Lord to destroy the enemies of God and now he's the laughing stock. They're mocking him. They're th- calling him names. They're throwing things at him. He couldn't feel any lower. Hey guys, if you have blown it, I believe the Lord is going to talk to you today. I believe the Lord has some things in his spirit he's going to say to you today. If you feel like you've failed, and if you've blown it. There are two responses to failure. The first, our natural response is remorse. Unfortunately, that's where a lot of us stop. You know, we, we say, oh, I feel so bad about that. I, I, I'm an idiot. I'm bad. Or it may even go deeper and more internal where we say, I hate myself. I'm a loser. Everybody tells me that and they're right. I'm never going to be anything. It's over. Sometimes remorse goes outward. You know, I'm really not so bad. In fact, I think it's your fault. I think I'm the victim here. If you hadn't done this, I wouldn't have done that. It's Delilah's fault. Remember, she came in, she starts playing with the music, and she starts twiddling with my hair, and, you know, Delilah, and there's a song, and I didn't come with the song this time. Mike, sorry. Does anybody else think of Tom Jones when we think? Just Mike and I are the only warped minds that think of Tom Jones. And Okay. Delilah, it's her fault because she nagged me. She nagged. Remember that scripture? She nagged me day after day until I wanted to die. Don't you remember that? Oh, it was fun. Come on, that was a fun verse. I thought it was hilarious the first time we read it. That is, by the way, not a verse you quote to your wife, guys. Just take that out of the lexicon. And another thing you don't say is you don't say the phrase, you, not to plow with my heifer, okay? Now, if you don't get what that means, it's because you weren't here before, and that's Samson humor, doesn't go over so well today, but it was funny to me. Anyway, so this, this guy could have easily have turned remorseful. He could have. I'm a loser. I'm an idiot. I'm a victim. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of us guys stop. But there is a better response. And the better response is repentance. Repentance. That's where you say, it's my fault. I have to own this. I didn't take my vow seriously. I didn't do what God called me to do. It really is my fault. Now, you might remember that the last time we talked about a couple of things about guys that we learned from Samson. One is that most men don't ruin their lives all at once. They do it one step at a time. And we also said that, you know, men, if you realize you're going the wrong direction, what do you do? You turn around. That's exactly what repentance is. You, uh, so remorse is you look in the past and you say, oh, I'm bad, I'll never be any good. Repentance is you turn away from the past 
towards God. Complete difference there. You towards the future and you say, God, forgive me for my past and let me use my life to bring glory to you. Turning away from the lowest and turning towards the highest. And you say, it's my fault. I've blown it. I should have, would have, could have. And any good man, any good man will come to a point where they'll say, I can't undo what I did. You know, I've learned that you can't unsend a text. <laughs> Think that through for a minute. You cannot unsend a text. Well, that's pretty okay, you know. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not a wild man with texting. I don't do a lot of texting, but I have done some. But, but there was a change that happened at, in one of the releases of texting to something called group texting. And if you aren't really careful when you reply to a text, something that you meant and intended for one person may be broadcast to a larger audience. Okay, you guys are not tracking with me here. Okay, you can say some things, um, and, and, and I have just learned you cannot unsend a text, okay? Now, I haven't done anything outrageous, but, I mean, I've sent something that, thought that I thought was going to one person before and realized then it was going to a whole group. Now, that, at the very minimum, can make you look silly, like, oh, come on, pay attention, Terry. Do you realize, did you mean to send this to all of us? Okay, don't do that again, dummy. Or you can say something else. I mean, I send some texts to my wife with X's and O's in them sometime. And I don't intend for those to go to her friends. <laughs> and I, at least one time, had to send an apology for something that I couldn't unsend because, I mean, that was meant for my wife alone. You know, I didn't see your names up there. And my wife understands these things. <laughs> so one day, guys, we'll realize when that regret gets to churning in there, we get to the point where we realize, I can't undo, I can't unsin, but I can repent. I can't unsay something that's been said. I can't unlook at something I've put into my eyes. I can't unsin, but I can repent. And the thing is, the risk is that we'll just stop at feeling bad. I'm a loser. I'm never going to change. That's remorse. But repentance is saying, I can't change what happened, but I can change my future. There's a big difference. I'm not going to let my past hold me back. I think some of the guys in here may be saying to themselves, I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm never going to measure up. She really doesn't believe in me. Listen, you are not what you did. You, you guys, you are who the Lord says you are. You are who the Lord says you are. And just because a man is down doesn't mean he's out. Just because he's failed at something doesn't mean he's a failure. A failure is an event, never a person. So now, um, here we got Samson. He couldn't have messed up any more than he had. And he calls out to God and he remembers who he was created to be. He says, I was created to be more than just this. And some of you are thinking, you know, I might be, have been created for something more than just limping along half-heartedly and trying to make the most of my life. Okay, so... Watch as Samson gets this in the middle of verse 25. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. 
All the rulers of the Philistines were there, and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me, O God. Please strengthen me just once more. Just once more. I've messed up a thousand times. I don't need a thousand more chances, God. I just need one. One more chance and I'm going to get this right. I love the fact that here is a broken man calling out to God. A broken man calling out to God. And I love seeing it when guys move beyond remorse into repentance. Oh man, I was stupid. I shouldn't have done it. It, it, or it wasn't my fault. And, and instead, they get to the point of saying, oh no, I've sinned against the holy God and I've hurt people that I love. You know what? I'm going to fix this. God, give me one more chance. And I believe that somehow, at this point, Samson stepped across some spiritual line where in the past he'd been saying, it's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I deserve. It's all about me. He went from that And now he's stepped across this spiritual line and he's saying, it's no longer going to be all about me ever again. It's going to be about God. I am no longer going to be the central part of the story. The story is going to be about God. I'm going to give everything I have left to the one who gave me what I have to begin with. And guys, I want to tell you that some of you need to step across that line today. You need to step across that line today and you need to say, I'm not going to let what I did in the past limit me from what I'm going to do in the future. No looking back, no excuses, no whining. From this moment forward, I belong wholly and completely to my God. And when you get to that point and you figure it out, you'll know that when a man is down, he's not out. We can blow it again and again and again. And even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purposes. So watch what happens. Okay, verse 29. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Okay, this, this would make a great movie scene. He wasn't committing suicide. I'm convinced of that. He was going on mission here. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple. All of it, layer upon layer upon layer on the rulers and all the people. Now catch this. Even though he'd messed up so many times, God used him to do what he was created to do to destroy the enemies of God. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. Wow. It's never too late to do what God wants you to do. It's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late to do what God created you to do. It's not too late to say, I'm going to be a man of God. In fact, it's the perfect time to always say that. It's never too late if you're married to lead your family spiritually. It's never too late to invest yourself spiritually. It's never too late. But here's what's going to happen. Some of, some of the guys that are hearing this right now are going to say, yeah, but I messed up. Do you think that Satan, the enemy of your soul, isn't telling every other guy in this room, you messed up? You don't qualify to do this. You're no leader, Terry. You think that he has every guy, including me, that the Satan, the Satan isn't telling us and discouraging us? 
I mean, listen, when Satan starts telling you about your past, you say, oh, no, 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 no. Instead of talking about my past, let's talk about your future. <laughs> you might feel like, okay, I've done too many, thing, too many things wrong. I've let too many people down. Instead, think about how much better your story is going to be. You know, your story can change from for years, I lied and I lied and I lied. Now, I'm a man of integrity. Or for years, I stole and I stole and stole. Now, I give away like crazy. Or for years, I was addicted to lust and sexual sin. Now, I'm a man of purity. Or for years, I was selfish. And now, I lay down my life to serve others. Okay, so I've got two questions that I want to ask is that I think we need to get practical because I think some of you guys need to push some pillars down. We need to push some pillars down, guys. And um, one... Think this out. What pillar do you need to push down? And two, how are you going to do it? Now, I don't want you to say this out loud, but I really want you to name these. I want you to think that through. What pillar do you need to push down? And I want to say to you guys, I don't think you really got to think about this. I think the answer to those questions is already perched right there. You already know what those pillars are. You need to write them down or you need to email them to yourself or you need to write them on the inside of your sunglasses so you can read them as you walk around. But you need to do something beyond just hear this and walk out of the room because, guys, we have the gift of good intentions, but sometimes we're too easily distracted and we'll forget where we're going to go. So, so let's keep things simple. Here's what you do. You say, you name the pillar. I, this is the pillar that I need to push down and then you name it. Is it Pride. Is pride your pillar? If it is, you know, say, pride. I need to push down pride, and I, and I need some help. You know, I'm alone. I don't have any spiritual friends. And I'm too proud to ask for help. I need some help with pride. Or if it's an addiction, you say, I'm pushing it down. I'm not going to be in prison any longer over this issue in my life. And what are you going to do? Then what you're going to do is you're going to do something different. If you want a different result, you can't keep doing the same thing. You've got to do something different. And whatever that pillar is, you name it. And then recognize that it doesn't go down with your strength. It doesn't go down with your strength. It needs to go down with the help of God. Lord, give me your strength. That's the good news because God will give you strength. I mean, you don't want to push it down with your own strength. That's kind of stupid, right? Because remember... Satan likes to take strong men and make them weak, but God likes to take weak men and make them strong. I don't have the power. I don't have the ability. God, I need you, and God will come through. Now, you may be down. Some of you guys may be down, but you're not out, and there's more in you, and I don't want you to let Satan talk you out of your future. I don't want to let the enemy of your soul talk you out of what God has called and anointed you and gifted you to do with your life. And so Samson, Samson finally, finally gets this right. And what he did was right, giving his own life. That was easy. I really think it was easy. I mean, I think it was easy for him. Because, guys, I think that in every one of us, there's a hero waiting to get out. I'm not trying to lift, pump you up. I really believe that. I believe in guys, there's a hero waiting to get out. I think giving his life was easy. There's not a single one of you guys that if you're at home and you've got a wife and kids and you hear a noise in the middle of the night and you think somebody's in here, you'll 
you gladly go lay your life down to protect the people. I mean, you hear those noises, you're up in your boxer shorts or your whitey tighters or whatever you wear, <laughs> and, and you got a lamp. You're going to grab the heaviest lamp, and you're looking for, you'll, you'll, you'll kill somebody with a lamp because you're going to protect your family. You will lay your life down because there's something in us that says, I'm going to lay my life down for people that I love. But the challenge is that a lot of us men are willing to do it just one time. But real men give up their lives daily. That's what real men do. It's easy to do it one time. But real men, men of God, they give up their lives daily. Paul said, I die daily. God said, I want you to lay down your life daily. Guys, if you're married, you need to lay down your life and serve your wife like Christ served the church. (laughs) you can't unsay that now see you can't do it I, I just I just put that in my notes because I think all kidding aside that there are men here who look at their marriage and think you know I've got a long track record of not laying my life down this would be a really hard turn to make but I want you to know it's not too late to say, you know, my marriage is kind of screwed up and I'm probably the one that's got to sort this out. Go lead your marriage in a way that honors God and see God get involved. You can do it because you got Christ in you, right? If you're headed the wrong way, you turn around. God is there. Don't feel bad about the past, the remorse and guilt and frustration. And all that. Instead, repent and turn the other way. Guys, you have no idea how much I want this to get down into your souls. I love you, men. I mean, I don't want to go to the bathroom or anything together. (laughs) But this room is filled full of quality men. Some of you I know very intimately, and some of you I hardly know at all. And there's not a guy here that I wouldn't stand side to side and say, I'm really glad to know you. But I want to see this get down in your souls. And the enemy wants to snatch it away. This truth needs to get down into your souls. And if it's already there, then you're supposed to get it into somebody else's. If it's already in there. The world, you know, in the very opening um, of this, we talked about a, a guy who said, the world has never seen what God can do with one man wholly surrendered unto him. Guys, I want to tell you this. The people in your life around you have no idea what you are capable of. The people around you have no idea what you're capable of. So, you be that man. You be that man. Don't just be a strong man. Be a man of God. Don't just die one time. Die daily and then watch what God can do through you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for grace in our lives because we get to look back at Samson who was a mighty man, made huge mistakes, and we've laughed at times at his mistakes. And um, yet we wouldn't do that with one of our friends. Thank you for grace in our lives that we can learn from Samson's mistakes without having to hurt him. But God, 
we can also learn from the mistakes we see around us and yet it shouldn't be in our hearts. So, so look, God, I want to thank you for grace, but I ask you to stir up our spirits. And a lot of this message series has really been aimed at guys at the rooms half full of women. Yet, Lord, I know the spirit is working and your word promises that your word will never return void. So I pray, God, for the, the supernatural intentions you have for every man and woman who has heard any part of this series. I ask God for you to to free up minds that are locked in a mindset that, that say, I am bad, I'll never amount to anything, I, I, I just can't change. In the name of Jesus, I ask you to unbuckle those untruths from people's minds and instead begin to speak into our minds, Lord, what you believe to be true about us, the truth, God, what you see about our tomorrows, what you believe about our capabilities, why you gave us the gifts that you did. God, we need you. We acknowledge right now that we can do a certain amount in our own strength and our enemy will absolutely use our strength to our peril. And yet, Lord, you will take our weaknesses and turn it into something majestic. I pray, Lord, as you stir men and women to give to you our weaknesses, that, Lord, you'll use them. God, I want to thank you this day for um, your love upon us. Keep praying, church. I just want to say to anybody in this room who knows they need God in their life and they really don't have a relationship, there's an eternity to be considered. And I'm glad you're thinking those questions because God loves you so much that he wants to fix your problem with eternity. The Bible teaches us, it says that every person has somehow fallen short. Every person is imperfect. Every person is short of the glory of God. That basically means that none of us can make our way to heaven because we're good, because of the way we live our life. We just come up short. But God loves us so much that he made a way, and that was his son, Jesus. Scripture, Holy Scripture basically says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, it says you'll be saved. If you call on the name of Jesus, you'll be saved. If you've never opened your heart to the Lord before, I would just say to you right now, open your heart to the King. Open your heart to the King. And what will happen is your eternity, your eternity will become sealed. And the Lord, in relationship with him, the Lord will begin to lead you through your life. Okay, church, everybody look up here, would you? Please. Um, I just want to say, and um, if if you are one of the people in the last couple of moments where you're, you would say, "Yeah, I need to have right relationship with God, and I want to get right with you," I just want to just show you this. Church members have seen this before, but this is basically a little packet that says "Knowing God," and it's not like we're not going to. Um, I just want, this is a gift. So if you have never opened your heart to the Lord and you are opening your heart to the Lord, I want to give this to you. And you don't have to come up here and get it from me, but you can talk to any one of these leaders or me or anybody after church. And it, well, here's what's in here. There's a nice little short letter from me and Lisa that wants to encourage you. And then there's a New Testament. And in this little New Testament, there are, in the first few pages before the New Testament starts, there's several questions. Why do I go to church? Tell me about God. Explain a few basic things that you'd want to know, and that's just a gift. We just want to help you get started. So don't rush off and um, just leave this. Let us give you one of these. And Okay, so everybody stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Now, um, I just want to remind you also that um, there's cookies and coffee just down the walkway, and that you are the body of Christ, and that you need each other. So... Before you leave, make sure you, you 
you, you buckle on a great big old friendly smile and greet two or three or four or five people. No less than two. You can go over five if you want, okay? But make sure you greet a couple people, get some coffee and cookies. God bless you. Next week's Mother's Day. See you then, okay?